G'day, I'm Oshie Ginsberg. This is Cocktails and Roses. It's the podcast where we talk about The Bachelorette. The Bachelorette Brooke Blurton, the world's first bisexual First Nations Bachelorette, and she's an absolute superstar. Joining me on this journey is the one and only Lisha Aitken Rabbit. It's incredible to be back. There's so much to talk about, Alicia. The first two episodes of Brooke's season, The Bachelorette. I mean, I'm just, I'm so happy it's here. If you haven't seen the first two episodes of Brooke Blurton's season of The Bachelorette, stop what you're doing, flip over and check 10 play right now and watch the first two episodes and we'll be back in just a minute because we're about to spoily, spoily, spoil it. All right. I'm going to say this right now, Alicia. Episode one of Brooke's season of The Bachelorette, I'm going to say it. This is the best episode one of any season of The Bachelor or Bachelorette that we have ever done. Agreed. I was in tears. I was excited. I was laughing through my nose. I was aghast. I was in love watching love happen in a few different ways. And then I was disappointed and I was sad and I was happy all in the space between the opening and closing credits. I just thought it was so, oh, we've got to start at the top, Osha. Okay. We open the episode with an incredibly moving welcome to country. What was it like watching that for you? It was so fantastic and, you know, we were so moved. Glenn and I were sitting in our living room in tears. And I think the reason, obviously, it's a very, very important moment for Australian television. But I think what moved us more was seeing how personally important that was for Brooke. And we've covered this off in the preview episode. I think everyone can see just how serious Brooke is about this process. It's been a long road from her first season of The Bachelor with Nick to where she is now. And I think that having something that's so important to her and so enmeshed with her own culture, just like, I mean, the single tear, I was like, (laughs) I can't handle this. I'm just, I was so happy for her. Tell me about that process because obviously you were there. It was such a, a beautiful, beautiful moment. Over the course of my career, I'm just so astounded that in the course of my career, I've gone from television in four by three, which is almost a square, to 16 by nine. We've gone from analog to digital. We've gone from no one even considering ever doing a welcome to a country or an acknowledgement of country to this is what we're doing. This is how we're starting a primetime flagship tentpole major franchise on a broadcast network. And it just was so wonderful. Everyone in the crew, it was so significant in the moment. Those three uncles were just the best people, the absolute most gracious, wonderful, kind, loving people. And we spoke a lot, you know, while we were waiting for Brooke. And obviously it's a first night and, you know, any person that's ever been in a relationship with someone who likes to look their best knows that ready in a minute doesn't mean a minute. So <laughs> we were waiting. And um, I had a chance to, to speak with these men and, just so humbled by their generosity and grace and to have these people come and and welcome us all onto country is so significant and just it sends a signal it sends a message of we are all living on land that 
was never ceded. Sovereignty was never ceded. Yes. And while we're telling this love story, this beautiful love story about this incredible person who comes from this community, let's just keep it in our minds that this person is part of our community and these people are part of our community and we are a part of, we are on their land and it was just so wonderful and so moving and look, the guys were just great. They they talked about, I was telling them how much um, Wolfie loves blowing the um, vacuum tube, <laughs> yeah. the vacuum cleaner tube. <laughs> And I was showing them videos. He just runs around going, and and they said, "Oh, we'll we'll make him one. We'll make they call oh. it a midgery dude." <laughs> <laughs> so they were going to make one for Wolfie. When she when Brooke came out of the limo and saw the men and heard the sticks, and it was just yes, it was so impactful for her and and just beautiful. And it was oh. Well, I think it's another element, you know, for so many years we've seen these sort of signpostings of the, you know, just even going back to Jimmy's season, we see Jimmy talking with his family, Mm. being sort of counselled by his family, and this almost, it just added a deeper level, deeper element to this whole show for me Mm. because it really felt like Brooke was there, Brooke standing there with her family who are really setting her off on such a strong path on this journey. So it just set everything off on such a fantastic note. Yeah. And what what a red carpet. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we spoke about this last time, but it's quite obvious that Brooke is very well aware of the weight of the communities that she represents upon her shoulders. And yet she's able to stand with such poise, knowing, okay, here's the expectation. Here I go. Holly. Straight out of the limo, that red dress. Oh, she's so gorgeous. I have to say, Osha, since the um, our preview episode, I've really had this thought rolling in my mind and I've shared it with so many of my friends because I think you were just, you were so spot on when you said, though many of us in our lives may know same-sex couples, it's it's kind of rare for a lot of us to see the courtship phase and I am... Like, I've just loved these first two episodes to see these first connections of, like, Brooke and Holly. It's just fireworks. Like, I've got to say, like, uh, the, oh, my God, the women are just, (laughs) I'm not saying, I think Angie described the blokes on her season as deeply average (laughs) in recent weeks. Uh, Very rude to Glenn, obviously. But... I have to say I've been just my my levels of impressed impressedness. I've been so impressed. These women are just showstoppers and I sort of feel bad for the blokes. <laughs> like <laughs> and you know what do you know what I was talking about last time with how straight off the bat like you get Carissa showing up going since the moment I met you, I, like since I saw you, I've just you are just the most incredible, and that like I've just everything about you resonates so deeply with me, and I just I can't believe that I'm standing in front of you. And here's a watercolor turtle that I've painted you by hand because I've identified this about you and your personality. Yeah, and then like a bloke's like, "Hey, I'll do this rap for you." <laughs> <laughs> Like, I want every every man, every heteronormative man watching this episode, watch and learn. This is how women want to be connected with. We do things to other people that we want done to ourselves. That's what we do. We treat other people how we want to be treated. 
Watch and learn the level of emotional bang straight in there. I look into your eyes. I just, I can't believe how much you, everything that you're about resonates so deeply with me. Like, within the first breath of saying hello, they've said that stuff to her. I think it's great because I think it raises the stakes. It's like, it. well, yeah. it, it, it forces the men to be better for la- Like, I can't, there's no other way to articulate it. They are beyond on the back foot, which we saw at the cocktail party. We'll, we'll get to that. So we talked about Carissa. We talked about Holly, David and his ride-on. I mean, you know, oh, David showing up with a ride on. Uh, he's hot, basically. Like, that's like, David really struck a chord with me and, you know, clearly Brooke as well. One, he's absolutely gorgeous. He sort of reminded me, sorry to make everything about my beautiful partner, Glenn, but he gave me Glenn vibes in the, you know, Brooke describes him as having this quiet confidence. And I think that those are the best men who don't feel the need to be the loudest in the room. And I just thought that the way, you know, I know Brooke very well. And I think that the way that David was with her in those first moments sort of challenged her a little bit in the sense that he's so secure and sure of himself, which sort of sort of matches her surety. And so you've got, I think she was a bit like, oh, I want to explore this. I want to know more about you. Let me in. So I'm really excited to see how that progresses. And then our fabulous, our, our prince in high vis arrives, Conrad. Oh. There's one moment in this that I, you know, how do I put this? I just wish that I was at the Marlborough Hotel in Newtown with everybody watching this on the big screen, as they observe Brooke Blurton in a cocktail gown, grab a power tool and go hell for leather on the, on the driver. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mate, maybe not the Marlboro, maybe the Imperial. All of my mates would <laughs> be down there. Uh, yes, I agree. Very, very sexy. And you know what? I was really nervous about Conrad because the first shot was him in the limo still. And... Okay, this is probably fickle of me, but he has he has the little dangly earring and the last person on the franchise with the dangly earring was both Kieran and Tim. And I was like, this is bad vibes. This is bad vibes for me. I can't believe you'd stereotype it. I cannot believe that you would stereotype people so much. I mean... People have their merits. Like, you, I can't believe that you would judge someone like that. But he's beautiful. He was beautiful. Men are allowed to wear earrings too. Men are allowed to wear earrings That's too. That's true. Men are allowed. That's true. Especially dangly ones. How good. But honestly, how great. And, and what a... Like, honestly, when Brooke grabbed that oh. power tool and knew what she was doing, I'm like... Rawr. Like, us, I, I am going to watch this episode with Ursula Carlson. Like, I, I, I'm going to film the moment when she sees Brooke grab the power tool. Far out. I, and I'm very excited to, well, we have to get to it later, but Love Seat drama. Ah, uh, Love Seat Gate. Uh, okay. And then there's, of course, the, the incredible situation when Jamie Lee arrives. Uh, how did you feel? I don't know. I know you were there. How did you feel watching. Like, in comparison to everything we've seen since, watching these two women speak. Oh, 
with Nick Cummins. It's just, it was a <laughs> phenomenal interaction. Like there is just so much. I think like the only word for it for me is this sexual tension. Mm. And even more than, it's actually even more than sexual. It's like there's just this tension in the air of romance and love and sexuality and it was amazing to watch and we haven't spoken about this yet Osha but obviously I was in the mansion with both Brooke and Jamie Lee and I think probably just for a sort of behind the scenes look from someone who was there And, you know, there's articles. If you go and search Brooke and Jamie Lee, there are articles from, like, I think it was Romy on my season. There was a lot of, and obviously it was interesting, and Jamie Lee speaks to it in her interviews and to Brooke directly, but there was definitely something there. And they really, they were attracted to each other. That's what it was. It was attraction. But when you have it in the context, particularly in the context of the fact that Jamie Lee was an intruder in our season, so Brooke was already very deep into establishing her relationship with Nick. And so when you throw someone into the mix that you have such a deep attraction to, it's really hard to navigate. And I am just, when I saw Jamie Lee, oh my God. This has been a thing that has been meaning to happen for three years. Yeah. Uh, I used to live in Sydney and Jamie Lee lives in Sydney and Brooke came over a couple of times, but I don't think that they ever made it past that. Well, it's hard to transition from friends to more than friends. Hang on. So you were... They came over to your house. The two of them were at your house? No, no, no. So I lived in Sydney back in the day. Jamie Lee also lived in Sydney and Brooke would come to Sydney and stay at mine and visited Jamie Lee post The Bachelor to sort of, you know, keep their relationship going, uh, friendship going, as any as as I visited Kat and ah. Romy. So they definitely tried to, like, they, they had this very, very close relationship, but I just think they found it really hard because you have to remember as well that, oh, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm like, there's a, Osha, there's a gap between filming and airing. <laughs> there is, and everything has to stay very, very quiet. Yeah, so so it's like, this long drawn out process yeah, and then you're basically a year, year away from when you first met. So it's all, there's just so much context to it. Boy, it was, what a move. Like I wrote this letter in the mansion and I've been waiting years to read it to you. I mean, like that is the, that it's like out of a Bronte novel. Like that shit is amazing. Like fair enough though. And I know I've been saying like men watch and learn, watch and learn, but I guess when 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 a man if a man was to come up and say everything about you makes me blah, 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 like it'd be, it'd be like whoa hold on there Sparky like yeah we'd be talking about a different Jamie <laughs> yeah it's not so it's not so it's intense good. when a woman does it you know what I mean yes like so I know that I'm 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 going watch and learn watch and learn but you know there's a different the woman has a far more latitude to go quite deep emotionally because it's it's interesting dynamic that's all I'm saying and also they have history right they so, also have history yeah yeah. I have to say, as a montage girl yourself, how did you feel about how we got into the montage? I'd like to say that this was probably the best way and the most amount of joy and love and shine that we've ever given to people in montages. The breathing thing was perfect. Yes. Well, I I was even going to 
raise as a montage girl myself. Um, one of the things that we've been discussing, Glenn and I, through these two episodes is I don't think that we have for many series time known so like I know all of these characters by the end of the first episode I think basically the only person that I feel like I don't really know the name or I haven't seen them in some aspect or some way was um and you know we'll get to it poor pink suit guy I didn't really like (laughs) I didn't I didn't get to see too much of him who left us on this first night but back to the montage I feel like I know all of these people and I think that that is really important because it helps us become more invested and I'm just so impressed. It wasn't, there was, I didn't really feel like there was a, like in my montage, I was like, he's like, blink and you miss. We really got to see all of these people have a bit of a conversation, a bit of a moment. And it made me feel that when we got to the cocktail party, I had far more context Yes. rather than as often often is the case. And I'll never, ever write it, but sometimes I'll see a tweet go by going, hang on, who's that in the green jacket? And I'll be like, yeah, who's that in the green jacket? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, my God, Glenn, like uh, he got eliminated and everyone's like, who <laughs> is that guy an intruder? How did they get here? Did they arrive? What are they suddenly doing here? <laughs> oh, yeah. Very hard as an edit to suddenly get through that many people to get them in and then get to the good stuff, which is the cocktail party, which you're going to get to the, the great shy boy cocktail party of 2021 on the other side of this break. This is Cocktails and Roses. I'm Osha Ginsberg. That's Alicia Aiken Ragburn. And we move into the very first cocktail party of the very first bisexual First Nations bachelorette in worldwide bachelor history. This is what people came in to see. This is what they were like, what's it going to be like with men and women in the mansion? And you know what happened? The women just went, all right, boys, watch and learn. They were so good. Just woman after woman is like oh, yeah, I'm just going to tap in, like, and all respectfully, all having these deep, substantial conversations and all the dudes are, like, standing around some, like, small fire just talking to each other. Oh, But I get it. I really get it. Like, I understand. I try to put myself in those situations. Like, if you go first, like, your whole life as, as, as someone who's, I guess, raised to be a gentleman, to raised, you know, with the, the moral expectations of our society, of our community yeah. in Australia, how in a heteronormative society, how men treat women and there's manners and there's after you, uh, ladies first, there's I'm aware that I'm a much bigger physical presence. I'm aware that if I block a doorway or I go through a doorway first and someone's coming the other way, it can be first. So I'll step back and let the smaller person come through. And like, we're taught that our whole lives. And so all this stuff comes into play of like, or I really want to go over and talk to her, but I'm aware that there's all these expectations that I've been taught my whole life about not interrupting, not talking over not mansplaining, you know what I mean? Not yeah. manspreading, not like all these things that have been taught to us like are coming into play then that, that you can see them fighting against it, can't you? Yeah, and on top of that, you've got this extra element that I don't think we've actually discussed on the, we might have touched on it last season, but when you enter one of these, when you're on one of these reality TV shows as someone who has been there on the first night and you're, everything is new to you, the TV cameras are new to you, Osha walking in, dinging his wedding ring to spite the fact that you're single on his champagne glass. Everything is fresh, new and intimidating. 
plus you've got these, you know, 20 people that you are on this show with, there's an extra element where you do, particularly for the first few episodes, you can't escape thinking about the TV element and the fact that a lot of people will be seeing a representation of who you are on television. And so I think that explains a lot of people's behavior in these first episodes, because at least on my season, filled with all of these girls vying for Nick Cummins' heart, a lot of us were worried and nervous about being the villain. Genuinely nervous that that's going to be how you come across. And so I think some of these guys are also, you know, taking that layer of like learned manner from the patriarchy and add to that that you don't want to be the guy who's like seen as this freaking straight white male like barging in on, I don't know, some beautiful conversation between (laughs) Jamie Lee and Brooke. You're interrupting their first bloody kiss. You don't want to be that person. So I can, I, I, I'm, yeah, it makes sense, I guess, when you reflect on it. All those things are there for a reason, you know, and I'm not in, in any way, shape or form trying to apologize for those things, but you can definitely see these guys are, you know, they've never been in a situation like that. Yeah. And it was, I've never, I've never been in a situation like that. I've never witnessed a situation like that. So it was, these, these guys are doing almost like a, I don't know, they're kind of breaking new ground in a social environment on television, at least for the first time. And it, God, it was interesting watching how the, the ladies were, no one was like, can I just steal him for a second? No one was like, I'm going to go get, she's had enough time. They was like, okay, off I go. And just straight fire. I mean, the way Tage talked to her that morning, uh, my goodness. Um, can, I, can I mention something that I also loved, Osha? And that is that through these first two episodes, well, you know, basically it, I imagined it, I, I guess I was expecting it in the first episode and it didn't happen. Um, no labels. I guess I, I don't know what I was expecting. I thought that like women wa- would walk in and it would be like, I'm a lesbian, I'm bisexual. And I just love that like we didn't have any of that. It was, I am a person coming to meet Brooke. I think I was pleasantly surprised. And I don't know why I was expecting that so much, but it's important. It's a really good point. And I think that speaks to, I think the overarching arc of the season, it's that Brooke just wants to find love in a way that's meaningful to her. She is a person who wants to find love. She happens to be a bisexual First Nations Indigenous person who's also stunningly beautiful and is incredible at her job, but she's just a person who wants to find love. And that, as you're mentioning, like w- without the labels there, it, as a viewer, I then, I'm able to see more and more, oh, this is just a person who wants to find a meaningful connection. And this person wants to find it with Brooke and Brooke wants to hopefully is looking for it with these people. And there, there was one moment where everyone's talking about the love seat and Tej, bless her. My God, I'm sorry. Just You mentioned the, the ladies, the visual aspect of the ladies. Tej in that green dress helping Conrad set dress his love seat uh, was pretty fantastic. a beautiful moment. Uh, and it was lovely because it was like, hey, look, I've, she felt good. She said, I've already had my chat. But you can't put her over on that. Come on, mate. Come watch and learn, mate. You're helping the brother out. The dynamics of the like the friendships developing between the men and the women is really nice. I think for some reason, I don't know whether it's like the gender mix or what it is, but there seems to be slightly less like even when there is conflict, which we're going to get to, hashtag team Conrad, <laughs> there is conflict, but it seems slightly less, I don't know, the love seat, the dressing of the love seat, we're seeing everyone, it looks like Conrad's angling to be the first fella to go and have a chat. 
and the relationships between everyone were pretty special. And after uh, Tage helps him dress it, everyone's like, okay, now go, 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 go. But no, Jess. Jess snaked him. (laughs) Jess snaked him. She's just walking over in, I mean, it must be acknowledged, this gorgeous black dress arm in arm with Brooke straight for the love seat. And I think you could tell, which was so interesting and it speaks to Brooke's character. I think she was like a little bit uncomfortable as well in the sense that they sat on this seat and Brooke sort of recalling, isn't this Conrad's thing and his moment? And Jess was just very assertive and didn't, I, I, I was very intrigued at Jess's thought process here. Because it did seem very, it was not nice. <laughs> it seemed deliberate. Yes, deliberate was the word. It seemed deliberate. I'm only going to go off the information that I've been given by a third line super that comes across the screen. But I'm guessing that she meets her sales target pretty early every month. <laughs> you know, I'm guessing that there's a bit of that going. Like, I, I'm guessing that she's a, a driven, driven person and she's very, very good at her job and the way she sees situations unfold is like, well, you either close or you don't close and I'm going to do what it takes to close. I liked that Conrad did end up advocating for himself though. He sort of like walks over, stands by them and is like, would I be able to sit on the seat that I made? For this moment. (laughs) Yes. And I do, I I feel really bad for Conrad because I know that some people might sort of dismiss this as fickle, like it's just, it's like you, you literally, it's just a seat, like move past it. But in the context of the show, symbolism is everything sometimes. And you've just like, this is your first moment where you've done something, you've connected with the bachelorette. And now you're in the mansion and it is kind of really important for his journey as well as Brooks and for them to connect. And you don't want the connection that you're building to be sort of undermined by conflict. And so even though it was just a seat, it really meant more than that. When Jamie Lee and Brooke finally go and have a chat, they go to a place, I believe uh, we call it, what do we call it? It's like a little, I can't remember the name, but we have names, secret code names for all these places. It's a little gazebo that's hidden behind. So they're actually out of the line of sight. So no one in the cocktail bar can actually see what's happening. Yes. Watching the two of them discover that they had feelings for each other. Watching Jamie Lee hear that Brooke was like, oh yeah, I was there. Oh, it was just. It was. I think I'm going to use the word hot so much this season. But I also think that this is unprecedented. I know that it happens in America, but I don't think that we've ever had a kiss in the first episode from my memory. I'm going to have to go to the statistician on that one, but (laughs) um, I honestly don't know. It was a great moment. It was such a great moment. And that Brooke took the lead when they were having those little whispers in each other's ears. And then Brooke took the lead and said, I'm sorry. And, And just. There was this beautiful, beautiful moment where she was able to reset the relationship. And there was, I think there was a line of like, thanks for not friend zoning me. And Brooke was able to go, this is the direction I wanted this to go now. All right. Well, let's start here. Let's start at this kiss. I think everyone can relate to this moment. If you've had one of those relationships, and I think that a lot of people have where there's been a really big buildup of tension and sometimes you don't necessarily know it's hard to communicate. Do they like me or do they like me like that? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a hard thing to navigate. And this is Brooke giving a very strong signal. Yes, I like you like that. Let's go from here. That, I think, was enough for Jamie Lee for the night. And that's, you know, I'm sure Jamie Lee, no matter what happens next, Jamie Lee's feeling good. David gets the first impressions, Rose, which broke out in spontaneous applause, which I did never seen that. A little golf clap went around the backyard. It was quite, sorry, the garden. It was pretty lovely. <laughs> I was also so happy that this season is so important to me for obvious reasons, Bestie Brooke, but... The first impression, Rose, is like a classic franchise. You know, there's no country roses this season. We're going back to the important elements of the franchise, not to dismiss the country rose. But (laughs) I was, I cheered when the first impression rose came out. I was like, this is canon, The Bachelor. It's glorious. Oh, and David, what a good first impression he made. Nice one, mate. Nice one. Episode two, photo shoot date. I mean, what are we going to do? You give the fans what they came to see, Alicia. Glenn was like, oh, they're doing a photo shoot again. And I'm like, Glenn, they do it every, (laughs) it is a part of the franchise. Come get with the program. And I just get so excited to see what we're going to end up with within like the theme of the photo shoot. This is probably one of the themes that lends itself to the most sexiness and intimacy. Intimacy is the word I'm after because we have all these setups that hinge on uh, it was celebrations and events that lend themselves to a bit of kiss and a bit of cuddling. Oh, absolutely. And I think the current 2020, I'm just going to go straight out and say this. You remember that moment in Jimmy's season when Ash got into the hot tub? Yes, hot. Okay. Do you remember that moment in Brooke's season when she turned around to say hello to Kurt? Oh, Mike, I, okay, we also have to, I've got to tell you this, Osha, Kurt is Tim Hanley. (laughs) Kurt is Tim. Literally the next episode that you watch, you will not be able to not see Tim Hanley. They have the same mannerisms. It is bang on. With what (laughs) drives them as a compass in their hearts, they could not be different human beings. I'm going to cut that off right there. Oh, really? I can't wait to see Kurt develop. You cannot paint, you cannot paint Kurt like that. He may remind you of Tim. The mannerisms. I'm not talking about his heart compass, which I'm sure points very Brooke. <laughs> is he beautiful? He gives me beautiful impressions. Kurt is an angel, a six foot and a half fast swimming angel. Oh, okay, I can't wait. You know, he faced, oh, my God. He he says, like, I think the Australian swimming trials for the Olympics are, are hectic. Like, you've got to finish top three. Yes. But you've also got to be among the current eight fastest in the world. Gosh. It was something crazy. Like, he came second in his trial, but he was, like, ninth. Oh, no. So he beat everybody. He was the fastest. Far- and there's hundredths of a second in it, you know? And he missed his Olympic dream. I liked that he um, was getting his pump on before the photo shoot. That was very cute. Damn straight. It's a, come on here. We're not here to build a block of yeah, flats. true. And he looks good. Oh. And he, oh my gosh, he nearly <laughs> fell into the pool when he picked up Brooke. That was a bit nerve wracking. Yeah. I'm just going to say this now. If you're a big person, picking up smaller people, unless they say, yes, it's okay to pick me up. Eh, no, don't do it. Don't pick up small people. They're not into it. They really are not into it. They do not like being picked up. 
It was great. Everyone looked hot. Conrad and, and Jess, I don't know how they ended up in the same oh. thing. I don't know. It's never like The Bachelor to ever put two people with previous conflict into a very uncomfortable situation with each other. Come on, get closer. Like, click, click, click. <laughs> we haven't even talked about Bo's photo shoot of the red carpet, but yeah, it doesn't does it bear repeating. <laughs> Anyway, uh, there was some slow dancing. There was some fireworks. It was very, very special. As far as photo shoot days go, it was a pretty fun. It was a pretty fun day. The and fun fact: if you look closely, that house was used in, I believe, it was the Pavlovas' clues oh. for the Masked Singer. Oh, really? Okay, I'm gonna have to go back and compare notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they're using the Pavlovas' clues. That was the location they did the Pavlova clues at. So we get to our single date and, you know, Sydney's a fantastic spot and luckily there's all kinds of fabulous landmarks around here and, um, you know, who doesn't love it? A group date that starts with a helicopter, let's be honest. I mean, if that's how you, this is a bachelorette, for goodness sakes. We don't drive. Mm-hmm. Why would we drive? Unless it's a sponsored car. We take helicopters. <laughs> that's how we get where we're going. <laughs> Cracking. It was amazing and they flew straight to like Blue Mountains, picturesque. If you're looking for a good first date location that's really going to secure the relationship, like you don't want this to just be a first date that you go to like Kalitos in Newtown. God, if someone took me to a first date at Kalitos, I would be like, meh. Um, Blue Mountains is the place that you want to go to impress and I can't believe did you think that David was scared of this abseiling? Because I got the impression that he was like, this is not okay. Yeah, we've talked about this and, it, you know, it's one of the things that people make fun of the fact that there's these high adrenaline or, or you know, thing dates. But what they do is they push people into having reactions and, and reacting to a moment they otherwise probably wouldn't react to until a long time. So we actually strip away a lot of the pre- uh, pretense and, and we actually seeing the true person. I think you're right. It was a long way down. And uh, David just went, nope. This is what I'm here to do. Big love to our very our fabulous butler who was just excellent. Like, really. Oh, my gosh. Toilet breaks must have been hard. Yeah. That's all I can think about. <laughs> but it was. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but it was also a good moment. You know, a lot of the time we're in these situations, like they can't go anywhere. They had to have a really beautiful long chat. And they, I don't think I've seen a date for a while like I don't know if I picked it up through Jimmy's season but like I really felt this connection they were really from the get-go they're having I loved like Brooke asked him and we don't usually see these questions until maybe a little bit deeper I think sometimes because you know there's so many people to get to know sometimes the connections start off a little like fluffy but Brooke goes straight in and asks him how do you find dating which I think is such a smart question to ask. And I think he said something like, you know what, I'm finding it increasingly harder because when I was younger, like dating is new and fresh and you're just like, you're sort of happy to be there and be forming connections with people. But as you get older, you know what you're looking for and what you want. So you become like your discretion becomes higher. And you really want to find that you're not going to just be like getting into relationships for the sake of it as much. And depending on the sort of person that you are. It does happen. Yeah, without a doubt. It does. It absolutely happens. And I'm, I'm really grateful that they had that moment. And there was they, Brooke was able to show him again. She was give, able to give him quite a decent signal of, of where she would like to take things. And like, no, you're not my friend. Yes. I'm here for romance. And there was some passion, which was very, very lovely. 
at the cocktail party, it's very obvious that whatever Holly did on the red carpet worked a treat. And uh, Holly and Brooke, there's, there's something really quite spicy happening there, isn't there? Yeah, I know. And I think that you can see this building like, I think maybe with some of the other relationships so far, we've seen more direct, you know, like David, they've shed a kiss. He's got, he's received a rose on that single date. Jamie Lee and her have obviously shed a kiss, but it's really interesting seeing Holly and Brooke because they're still in that sort of building tension phase that has started there on the red carpet with the slow dance, which was so intimate. I know people, and you know, maybe this speaks to their relationship, but like, (laughs) I know people who would probably feel uncomfortable slow dancing with their actual partner. And they were just like in it straight away, so intimate and so vulnerable. And so I think you've got this building through these moments. Again, they had a slow dance during that photo shoot fireworks went off they were like this close to kissing i'm really excited i'm i'm hoping that holly gets a single date soon it was pretty special it was a pretty special moment david you know that started to happen here emily was like hang on mate you got to hang off a cliff with her i haven't seen her all week what's going on buddy why are you taking her away from us and i thought david was pretty honest which i really dug in that moment Yeah, broke a cardinal rule of the cocktail party, which is let people who haven't had time with the bachelorette go first. But also that rule is only, it's for the person to decide whether they play by that rule. And as David says, and as as many of our very successful people say on this show, is they're not there for friendship. They're there for the person. They're there for Brooke. And he... He wanted to get in. He wanted to reestablish that connection after their single date. And I think one thing that I picked up, which I found really interesting because we obviously didn't see the preparation, but they were talking, I think Brooke used the word spicy and they actually had a spicy margarita sitting in front of them. So that's just a little tidbit that I noticed, but there was no like, here's a spicy margarita. I want to keep the spice up. <laughs> <laughs> At the rose ceremony, it was a, it was a farewell to Bo, who I guess when he arrived, you know, as a photographer, I, I you know, I I used to call myself a photographer. I don't know if I'm a photographer as much as I because I, I don't book photo shoots or anything anymore. I used to yeah. showing up with a camera, going I'm a photographer. I guess that's fair enough. I understand that. You know, I didn't have a podcast and I created a podcast, and I'm like now I'm a podcaster. I understand that. Mm. The using a camera to I guess, direct someone and control someone's, you know, it was a bit odd watching him do that and watching the way he played it. I think Brooke may have seen this routine in another form at some point, and I don't know if it's sold on her, to be honest. Yeah, it it sat at this higher, like, it missed the mark. I feel like what he might have been going for was this, like, play on Instagram boyfriend, and it was just, like, Brooke's not there. She obviously she has a social media presence and she has a public profile, but it it was almost like for me it was like no no no. There's so much depth to Brooke and you've decided to like come in and take photos. It's just like yeah, I'll be great. I'll be I'll be awesome to take your Instagram photos. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, your SponCon. Um, can I mention two things in the rose ceremony, Osha, that I just think were, they're, they're, they're these little changes that I'm like, wow, that's awesome. One, you walking in and saying, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, which I love. You're welcome. Also, um, now you'll notice it in every episode. 
but the usually the men have these like little roses that they put on their lapels. So when you go back and watch like Angie Kent season of The Bachelorette, you'll notice that all the boys have like lapel roses. Yeah, the magnetic roses. Yeah, yeah. The magnetic ones. And they all have long stemmed roses this season and I live for it. They sure do. <laughs> and it's a be- it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It was a great moment and I think Brooke's understanding of intention and integrity is playing a lot here. And yes, we've seen two men go in a row, but I don't think that... I, I think it's more about that she is definitely looking for quality of character. Ah, oh, nah. She was like, get rid of all the men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's been... It's amazing already, and I can't wait for next week. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. You can obviously watch Channel 10 next Wednesday night, but of course you can find out on 10 Play all across the week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cocktails and Roses, which is a 10 Speaks podcast. Thanks to Rachel Barrett and uh, Ali, our producers. If you missed last week's podcast or you want to hear the interview with Brooke, look on the Cocktails and Roses 10 Speaks page on 10 Play. Find us wherever you find your podcast. Thanks, Alicia. See you next Thursday.